run that you may obtain in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen. So uh, last Sunday I spoke to you very precisely about the reality of ensuring that we do not live uh, a wasted life. And uh, we, we must conclude with what the Gospel is saying to us today, that our, uh, God's gift to us is our life. But what we do with that life is God's gift to us. Sorry, our gift to God. So what we do with our life is our gift to God. How do we, and that's what the whole parable was about with the talents. Well, God's given you the talent, and the talent is worth, the talent in those days was literally worth the equivalent of 20 years of labor. So God's saying he's generous, giving you this great gift, uh, and he's asking for what did you do with that gift? And we can say that God's given us this gift and we live in a world which is, seems the odds are stacked against us, especially for some. They are born in a world where everything seems unfair. They've got a, a disadvantage from the day they are born into this world. Um, and often their lives are very short and miserable lives. What sort of a gift is that for them? We can look at this, this question and perhaps give you a deeper insight into this whole reality in the way the church answers uh, this question. But perhaps we can take a, a small snippet of a story from secular history. On uh, June the 2nd, uh, 1925, there was a famous baseball player, and I, it's just, I'm using an example, it's not important, but to send a small example, uh, name, the name was uh, uh, Wally Pip in the US, uh, played for the, the New York uh, Yankees. He was one of the best uh, first basemen uh, up until his day. He helped his team, team win the 1923 World Series in baseball. Uh, he was great in uh, leading the team in 1916 and 1917 with some amazing home runs. A very uh, well-known figure in baseball. But in June the 2nd, 1925, he called his coach and he said, look, uh, in this Sunday's coming game, I, I want to take a break. I've got a bit of a headache and I'm just a bit tired, so uh, I'd like a break. And so the coach said, yeah, that's perfectly fine. You could take your break. And so he replaced him with uh, a young, young man, probably nobody thought much of him. His name was Lou Gehrig. And Lou Gehrig was just a young, young man with perhaps in the eyes of many uh, an insignificant person. The coach was going to put him on for one game and that would be the end of it. And, and uh, uh, Mr. Pip, uh, uh, Wally Pip, would come back. Well, Lou uh, Gehrig went on to play another 2,130 games in a straight consecutive order. He uh, astounded uh, uh, the world with his abilities, his talents, his gifts in this uh, field of baseball. He was known as the Iron Horse, the guy who never took a break, the guy who just kept going. Uh, uh, amazing success. One of the top uh, first baseman that perhaps ever lived in the game of baseball ever. Uh, but uh, God's providence uh, brought him, uh, brought his game to a, a, a standstill as God one day sent him an illness which 
there still to this day is no cure. God works in mysterious ways. God, when he gives us our gift of life, the reality is that we can reject his gifts. We can reject and resent and not make use of those gifts. And the consequence for that is that it affects not only us, but those around us. So that Pius XII will say that God prefers to allow the damnation of your neighbour than to deprive you of the role that you have in bringing him to heaven. Very important point. It's a package deal in this world. If the world is a better place, it's because individually we are better people. If the world is a terrible place, it's because individually we are wicked people. And today, uh, as a whole, we are a wicked nation that have placed money and financial gain over principles, over what is right and wrong, over love for our neighbour. We have a deep sense of self-love which is disordered today. When we see all the evil around us and people suffering, we might be tempted to think that God doesn't, as such, care for us as individuals. And our Lord says the contrary. Our Lord says not a single uh, sparrow falls to the ground unless your heavenly Father permits it. The number of your hairs is numbered, says our Lord. Our Lord is concerned about every minute detail in our life. But the reality is we live in a world of bread and circus. And so we see our lives as one where we are born to be entertained rather than a life to be lived, uh, of a life of duty. God has called us, like in today's gospel, to a duty. And our Lord says in the story, he complains, he says, why are you standing around idle? Uh, go and work into my vineyard. The vineyard is life. We are called for a work in this world. And it's a serious work where what we do has going to have serious consequences both for ourselves and for those around us. And if we, if we fail to fulfill that, uh, we are going to suffer ourselves both in time and, and even in eternity, but also our neighbour will suffer both in time and in an eternity. Uh, as Our Lady of Fatima said, many people go to hell because there's no one to pray and make sacrifice for them. In other words, they will be damned because we wasted our life. We didn't make use of the gifts, the opportunity that we had to uh, lead them to the kingdom of heaven. And if we fail in that, there are consequences for it. Uh, we, it's true to say that we see much evil in the world around us, but good doesn't happen by itself and evil doesn't happen by itself. Uh, we invest either way, either for life eternal or uh, uh, for eternal damnation. But it's an investment. And that's what God expects of us, an investment. That's why he says very clearly in the book of Ecclesiasticus, before man is life and death, good and evil, that which he chooses shall be given him. And we have chosen, as a generation, we have chosen evil. And so we, we are receiving the evil that we have chosen. Uh, you know, I, I said it to somebody the other day that 
you know, we, we see these laws of euthanasia. Well, the euthanasia laws are only logical. When we have a generation that no longer believes in God, that only cares in material possessions, well, if you are no longer able to uh, live a life where you're able to produce material things, a life where your ease and comfort is taken from you, well, we get rid of you. Well, we are knocking off the older generation. And, you know, they say without scandalising, they deserve it. They raised the generation where they taught them material success and comfort are the most important thing. Well, they will reap the rewards of what they deserved. They deserved exactly what they get. They deserve to be knocked off by those who they taught the most important thing, son, is that you do well in life, do well according to the principles of the world. Well, when mum and dad become an inconvenience for my success, for what I desire, what I seek, well, we get rid of them. They're an inconvenience. They reap the fruits of what they chose. <coughs> it's, it's only logical. All the evil we are seeing today, they are the fruits of what we have chosen. We did not fight. We did not fight for what is right. For what is noble, we are more zealous for our sports than we are for our principles, than to go into politics. Who cares about politics? Who cares about who's governing the country? As long as I've got my bread and circus, leave me alone. As long as I've got enough uh, of material benefits, that's all I care about. Well, you reap the reward uh, uh, of what you sowed. What you sow, you shall reap. It's a logical consequence. How do we ensure, how do we ensure and how do we even know that we are not living a wasted life? And that's a very fair statement. Well, Father Raymond, the famous Trappist, explains to us the first way that we ensure is to ensure that we are living in the present moment. Not in the past, not in the future, not of what might happen, what might be, or, or poor me, the harp of self-pity. He says, uh, are not all the fears, the phobias, the crippling anxieties tied in with the future a time that is not yet to come and may never come? Are not the deep depressions, the foolish guilt complexes connected with the past a time that has gone and is gone forever? These mental states certainly bespeak some relation to the fact that those plagued with them have not been objective enough to stay in contact with the one great gratuitous reality called now. They live either in the future or in the past, but as for now, they're not there. Well, he gives us an example of our Lord. He says, everything that Christ did, everything that Christ touched, everything that Christ experienced was somehow made divine. And if we will become Christians, we must uh, uh, come to the recognize the divine in all that is human. In other words, we must recognize that God is at work in my life, here and now, in a mysterious way, each moment of my life. And no, no aspect of my life escapes the divine plan. That means conforming my life to his will. So that means that even those who we might say are abused from the day they're born and, and, and sold into uh, slavery or what have you, if they simply learn to submit to the injustice as dished out by the plan of God because of the wickedness of 
fellow men in this world. In resigning themselves to the wisdom of the Creator, even in that can work for their sanctification and their salvation. And you see this very clearly in the lives of the saints who endured all sorts of uh, injustice and very often misunderstandings. They offered it up in union with the will of God. They sanctified the moment. They sanctified themselves and won graces for their neighbour, living in the present moment, not harping on uh, about what might be uh, and what is to come, but living in the moment. We are subject to many passing realities in this life. All of it is part of the providence of God. And here Cardinal Newman explains to us something very profound. He says, if I am sick, and this can apply to any sort of sickness, mental, physical, whatever it might be. If I am sick, my sickness may serve him. In perplexity, my perplexity may serve him. If I am in sorrow, my sorrow may serve him. He does nothing in vain. He knows what he is about. He may take away my friends. He may throw me among strangers. He may make me feel desolate, make my spirit sink. Hide my future from me. Still he knows what he is about. I must trust him. And that is a hard aspect. Very often we, we worry too much about the future. We worry too much about many things. And what's, what's even worse is sometimes we see God is at work, but we don't understand how. We find it very frustrating. And we try to want to understand and it makes us even more sometimes frustrated and we can become resentful and bitter. The, the key is not to try to necessarily have the answer, but to trust in God. Like Our Lady often said of her when she didn't understand what God was saying or doing in her life, she meditated upon these things in her heart. She entered into the divine plan for her. That's how she began to understand. God is at work, yeah. He's in a work in a way I don't understand. Very mysterious, very complex, very difficult to grasp, but he's at work. And we have a saying that hindsight is twenty twenty. In other words, we look back and things become very clear. I, you know, I, I'm a genius from looking back in the past, but at the present is very difficult. What does that mean? Well, we trust when we are going through life. It often doesn't make sense, and certainly life is is not fair. Uh, things. Uh, seem unjust. God is at work. Uh, Our Lady was without sin, and yet she was made to endure suffering, injustice. Uh, she didn't complain it was unfair. She entered into the plan of God. Uh, that's the way uh, we must enter in those moments. We don't try to necessarily seek the answer. God will reveal the answer in due course of time, but that's not the, the point. The point is, we must, says Father Amos, stay simple. He says, sanctity is easy. Inasmuch as sanctity is simple, it is increased from moment to moment, day to day, year to year, in those who live only in the present and doing therein God's will for them, the duty of the present moment for their state in life. In other words, show up. Show up to where you're supposed to be when you're supposed to be doing it. 
And, you know, I think of that example of Lou Gehrig, and I'm going to speak about him a bit later on, but it's a noble example because how often you find in today's world, more so today's world than in the past, that people just don't show up. People you expected to rely on them for something, they're not there. And you, you, if you manage to get a hold of them and ask them, oh, you weren't there, what happened? Oh, you know, I had a bit of a headache. Oh, I wasn't feeling that well. Um, well, they come up with all these amazing excuses, and they are excuses. Uh, very rarely are they something uh, genuine. And we live in a time when they'll often leave it to the last minute and they'll send you a text like, uh, I'm not coming. In the past, they, they, they couldn't have gotten away with that. But in other words, what they're saying is, I don't really want to be there. Lou Garrick wanted to be there. Uh, it's not that he didn't, some days he didn't have a headache, he didn't feel it. He was there every day. They never saw a man like this. Come rain, hail or shine, he was there, a real man, a man of duty. Where do you find people like that today? Good luck if you find any today. How often, I, and I pointed out to many years of the faithful, they would often come up for excuses for things. Oh, Father, I couldn't be there. You know, I've got children. Oh, Father, you know, I've got this and I've got that. So I said to them one day, you know, I realize all the excuses you've given me over the years, they're 100% lies. And why, are they, why do I say they are lies? When it comes to so-and-so's birthday party, not only are you all there dressed out uh, very well, but you've managed to find the babysitter for all of your children. You've managed to prepare uh, uh, in time to get a nice dress, even bought, went out and bought a gift. But if it's mass and it's raining, oh, I can't come. I'm busy. It's hard, very difficult. Uh, I, can't, I don't feel well that day. You made it there for this or that event, which well, not, they weren't necessarily a wedding event, just a parish party, parish this or that, or friend party. They were there. But how come when it comes to things for God, I can't be there. You call them for a parish uh, working BR. They've got excuses for everything. But when it comes to uh, things that they want to be at, doesn't matter how unwell they are, doesn't matter how much money it's going to cost them, doesn't matter how much preparation it's got, they're there. They make the effort. But for things that it's actually their duty, they just, ah, oh, I forgot. But if it was something that you were interested in, you're not going to forget. You're going to put a diary note. You're going to make a preparation. You're going to invest your time, your money, your effort, your energy, your thoughts. Where your treasure is, there your heart is, our Lord says. And that's a reality for us to consider. Lou Garrick was there. He was there at every practice. He was there at every game. Uh, consecutively. Only until God forcibly stopped him from being able to play a game. How many of us take this attitude in our life? That we are there working that vineyard. Uh, in, yes, and sometimes in the midst of the heat, as the man in the gospel complains today. We, we endure the heat of the day. And notice the response of our Lord. Yeah, and, and like what? Uh, you're somehow uh, exempted uh, by, you're somehow great because you endured the heat of the day? No, you're not, our Lord says. You're not. You're just doing your duty. And in fact, you're, you're, uh, in other words, in other parts of the gospel, our Lord says, when you do your duty, see yourself as just an unprofitable servant. Nobody great. Today, if we show up to something, we think that we've done God a favor because just because we showed up. When we liked today in, in the field of employment, uh, people expect to be paid vast amount of money for doing not, almost next to nothing. Uh, and that's the case of most employees, uh, employee, people employed today. 
In fact, the more, the more we all know this, the more often, the greater amount they are paid in reality, the less they actually really do, the less they contribute to the benefit and well-being of society and their neighbour. Look at the, the CEOs of the most uh, important companies in the world. Vast amount of money they are paid, but comparatively little compared to what they actually do. It's a sign of the times that we live in. Uh, we want bread and circus. How many of our faithful, often they would, they would call and complain in the years that I was working in the school. Oh, Father, but you, the teachers give our, our children homework. And my response is, yeah, but they come to school to learn. They're not here to play, even though we have sports and all that. But the concept of the parents is, again, this, this sports entertainment where my children want to come home and they expect to play at home. Uh, when are they going to grow up? The parents are not sure when their children are going to grow up because they perhaps often themselves have never really grown up. The concept of life is a duty, life is a work, is very foreign to so many Catholics today. Uh, God expects me to show up, to be there. Uh, and to be there with diligence, zeal and generosity. That's something that is lost today. Uh, Martha, Martha, our Lord said to her, you are concerned about many things. Martha was anxious. You could say Martha was hardworking. Well, Martha was slothful in the spiritual field. She was slothful in where she needed to be generous and diligent. And he said to her, Mary has chosen the better part, and that will not be taken from her. Mary has understood. Uh, there's a time for everything. Mary wasn't idle, but there was a time for listening, time for praying, time for thinking, and a time for working. There's a time for everything in life. Singing, dancing, running, entertaining. And yeah, um, the sports people, entertainers, they have a place in our life. They, they do make life a little bit more pleasant, a little bit more uh, uh, helpful, encouraging. But entertainment is not the end uh, of our life. It's not the whole picture. Uh, it's part of the picture. And we have sometimes lost sight of, of that. Uh, the danger for us is to question God in the midst of our life. And here I'm just going to give you a little bit of insight on how God works out these things in our life and in the lives of people in the world. And here I rely on St. John Chrysostom, who helps us to, uh, to see these things more clearly. Because too often we can complain that life is unfair for me. And perhaps there is an unfairness, and we must admit that. But how do we measure the fairness? This is the point. St. John Chrysostom says, We must not scrutinize the Holy Ghost, for if you know that he has shown you favor out of kindness, considering that out of the same kindness he has also put a limit to the, his gifts. Acquiesce and rejoice in what you have received and be not downhearted about what you have not received but rather give thanks that your gift is not beyond your power now going a little bit deeper into this point here's where he really helps us to understand this reality he says tell me why was it that abraham was rich 
and Jacob even wanted for bread. Were not both righteous men? Had not God said equally of the three patriarchs, I am uh, the God of Abraham and of Isaac and of Jacob? Why then was the one rich and the other in poverty? Or rather, why was Esau, the unjust and fratricidal man, rich and Jacob in servitude for so long? Again, why did Isaac pass his whole life in ease and Jacob in toil and hardship? So that he had said, my days are short and miserable. Why did David, too, being both the prophet and king, as he was, live his life in labor, whilst his son Solomon was, during forty years, the richest of men in the enjoyment of enduring peace, glory, honor, and every possible luxury? Why, in short, amongst the prophets was there one tried and another lesser? And here we can just interrupt what he's saying. Take Take the example, and I think it's a perfect example, of David and Solomon. Uh, David laboured in toil most of his life, suffering, persecution, difficulty. And in his young years, he was out in the fields looking after the sheep. And when he was looking after the sheep, the lion would come, the bear would come. And he could have allowed the lion and the bear to take whatever sheep they wanted. He could have went back home to his mum and dad and cried. The sheep came and took the and it was very frightening for me, and now I've got a trauma and I'm in anxiety and I'm going to suffer depression. But on the contrary, on the contrary, he chased after the lion, he chased after the bear, and he killed them with his bare hands, this little boy. And yes, many sins along the way, many shortcomings along the way. God humiliated him, God punished him, but in the end he died and saved his soul. Solomon, yeah, many, many great material blessings, great wisdom, many parts of uh, the book of Proverbs, if not all of it. Great wisdom, great luxury, great number of uh, wives and concubines, whatever you want. All the world had to offer was at his disposal. In the end, he died a reprobate and, and unrepentant sinner who went to hell, according to the church fathers. And this brings a point. How very few people in the world are profitable servants of God when they are in wealth, when they have possessions of this world. Very few. You can count them almost from the number of your hand, fingers on your hand. Uh, most people, when they have the, the possessions of this world, they live seeking their own ease, comfort and glory. And God and righteousness and holiness and principles are out the window. That's why our Lord says it is easier for a, a camel to enter through the eye of a needle, and the eye of a needle was a place in, in, in Jerusalem, than for a, a rich man to save his soul. Uh, our Lord warned us that when we perhaps think is unfair, perhaps it's for our good, for our profit. And often you will see in life the most kindest, generous people you will meet are those who are poor people, people who don't much in this world. They're not they're not majorly wealthy people. But because they are poor in the sense that they might be middle class or, or lower low come, uh, income earners, they, they understand what it is to be without. So that moves them to be generous, to see that the gifts that they have are gifts and it's not for their own benefit. 
And it's not because they're somehow great people or individuals. They are cognizant of their own shortcomings, short failings, and realizes how much their arms deeds contribute to the remission of their sins. We can see the wisdom then of uh, St. John Chrysostom. He says, then why in short amongst the prophets one was tried, another less? Because thus it was profitable to each. Therefore every man should say, thy judgments are deep abyss, O God. For God uh, exercises those great and admirable men in different ways. One through poverty, one through riches, one by a life of ease, another by tribulation. It behooves us all the more to take the same lesson to heart. And that's why uh, Job would say, God gives, God takes away, blessed be the name of the Lord. God gives a gift. And God may choose to take it away. Uh, blessed be the name of the Lord. He knows what he's doing in giving, and he knows what he's doing in taking away. For us, it's to enter into his plan. The danger for us is, as St. Francis de Sales says, we must judge uh, thing, uh, our judgment of things must not be according to our tastes, but according to that of God. If we should be saints according to our own will, we shall never be saints in the true sense. We must be saints according to the will of God. The danger for us is to see things perhaps too much in a human perspective, a human way. Uh, and the, the preparedness of our life, you know, in other words, our lives are ordinary humdrum lives. There, there are not many extraordinary events in our life, and, and very few people, I think there are none. Our Lady's life was boring. She did the things of a mother. There are very few events in the Gospel recorded of Our Lady that were extraordinary events. The rest of her life were boring, humdrum things. Cooking, cleaning, scrubbing, washing, uh, knitting, sewing. Boring things. They're not, they're not something fabulous to write about. Uh, our lives are made of boring events. But it's in those boring events where we show up to be doing what we're supposed to be doing at the time we're supposed to be doing that prepare us for when the extraordinary events come and that we don't fail them. We don't fail them. So when later on David is called to take on Goliath, uh, he takes him on with courage, whereas all the men in, in the army were afraid. No, but uh, when the sheep came and the bear came, uh, I didn't fear them. Why would I fear this enemy of God? It's not an obstacle for me. I don't have any armor, but I didn't take on the bear or the sheep or the lion with the armor. I destroyed them with my hands. So he destroys Goliath with his slingshot with his hands. And that's the same with us in our life. The ordinary moments are there to prepare us that we are faithful in the extraordinary moments. Archbishop Lefebvre was a faithful priest, a faithful bishop, faithful archbishop uh, all of his life. So when he came to retire and wanted to live a life of peace and quiet and then it was called upon him to perhaps perform one of the greatest ministries in uh, our time, he was faithful. He wrote to the Pope, received the permission, and the storm of the world was opposed to him. But as he was faithful in his youth, he was faithful in his old years and to his dying day. And thanks to him, the world now has readily access to the ancient rite of liturgy. Thanks to him. And, and priests and uh, bishops are faithful to the teaching of the church. 
He was faithful in youth, was faithful in his middle age, was faithful to his dying breath. This is what it produces, that constant fidelity. When the angel came to Mary and tells her that God requests her to be the mother of God, her answer was, be it done unto me according to thy word. But she'd always been doing that, every day of her life. So when that extraordinary moment came, she was always prepared. It was like an automatic response, because every day it was an automatic response of fidelity, of generosity. And that's what God asks of us. So Luke Gehrig, in his uh, last years, by God's uh, providence, he was given this very rare disease. In fact, later on it was even named after him. But it was the amyotrophic lateral sclerosis, where basically the nerve system uh, loses control. Uh, uh, it's this uh, uh, where the whole system no longer computes with each other and later becomes very difficult to breathe. And it was that which meant he could no longer actually play the game at all. Physically, he was no longer able to, to hold the bat. Uh, without uh, uh, starting lose, losing control. And that was what stopped him uh, playing. But he said, indeed, yes, I have been given a, what he called an accidental break, part of God's plan. But for that, I have a great amount to live for. He would go on to say, I have considered myself as one of the luckiest men on the face of the earth. He saw it as a privilege to play in this team. And it's only playing a game. How much more are we privileged as Catholics to be children of God? The privilege to get to Mass, the sacraments, all the graces offered to us. All the more we should say we are the greatest, most luckiest people on the face of the earth. Who have the only real answer and the only real perspective to the reality that life throws at us. And life is not an accident. To us, everything in life can seem an accident, but nothing in it escapes the plan of God. And what is the ultimate reality in that plan of God for us? And, he, and it, this is summed up by Father Raymond, whose statement I never forget. He says it very beautifully. He says, God's purpose for us is clear. It is written in every book of the Bible. It has been written in every work of creation. It has been written in our own conscience and consciousness. That is, he is to be glorified and you are to be made glad. The purpose of your life is to give glory to God. And by that, you will fulfill his plan and be made truly happy. As long as you live a life outside of the plan of giving glory to God, you will never be happy in this life. And all your seeking for happiness will be empty, short-lived and vain. And this is the point for us. And we see an example of, of this in St. Luke, Luke's Gospel with the, the man who's blind. And he comes to our Lord. And he asks uh, our Lord to be cured. When he comes to our Lord, a very interesting point, our Lord asks this man calling out to him, uh, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. He, he, our Lord says to him, what do you ask? And it it always stumped me that our Lord would ask, say that to him. What do you ask? It should be obvious what he's asking. The blind man wants to see. But our Lord asks him so he may confess it from his own mouth. He may profess it. What is it that you seek? Well, I want to see. 
Well, the blind man, in, in actual fact, in professing that, shows he can see that Christ is the healer. Christ is the healer. Christ is the cure and the remedy for our life and our world. And I hope to give a series just on that point alone. And what happens? The gospel tells us that Jesus said to him, Receive your sight. Your faith has made you whole. And immediately he saw, he followed him, glorifying God. And all the people, when they saw it, gave praise to God. He saw, he followed, he glorified God. And in that, his life was fulfilled. That's how we fulfill our life, in giving glory to God. Our Mass is the ultimate reality of that, where we will give ultimate worship to God through the blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. This is the purpose of our life. And we must never make the mistake of losing sight of that. All of us have only one purpose in our life. Regardless of what station you are in life, regardless of what position, vocation, it doesn't matter. We all have only one purpose, to give glory to God. And in that, we will be sanctified and glorified, to give glory to God. And so let us simply conclude with the beautiful post-communion prayer of today's Mass, which I think sums it all up so well. May thy faithful people, O God, be strengthened by your gifts, that in receiving them they may seek after them the more, and in seeking them they may receive them forever. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen.